The Athletic. Hello everyone and welcome to From the Rookery End. This is Adam Leventhal back again for our new revamped Thursday edition. This week I'm joined by David Cameron Walker, better known as DCW in these parts, and also Mike Parkin. Dave, how are you first of all? I'm very well. Thanks for using my full name. I, I don't get that treatment on the football cliches when I go on that podcast. He refuses to use the Cameron for some reason. So thank you. Give it a rest, Walker. That's, that's, <laughs> that's not a problem at all. You know, you're in, you're in. This is this is familiar territory. Quite right, Mike. How are you? How are you feeling? Still positive? Yeah, absolutely bouncing still, Ad. Now I know we're going to go on to a mailbag later in the uh, in the podcast. We're going to answer some of the questions that are coming, but there's one overpowering question that everyone needs to know the answer to that I think we just might as well get it out of the way early let's address the elephant in the room it needs answering and Watford Sean he put it best I ask I ask again and will not stop asking until I get an answer here or on the podcast what is big Adam Leventhal's favorite flavor of yogurt Uh, that is so that on. is a massive massive question but I'm, I'm i'm unfortunately i'm going to disappoint everyone that is sort of waiting oh, with no. bated breath about about this because i'm not really i'm not really that into yogurt anymore oh so gosh. um but but if i had to Muesli? choose if i had to choose it would be it would be strawberry strawberry yogurt strawberry yogurt is that does that decent answer there you go Watford sean strawberry yogurt okay. but he doesn't even really like exactly. that exactly so we are onwards. We are here to uh, deliver all the all the big answers to all the big questions. Just to let you know what we have coming up today, and I'll be brutally honest. When I woke up this morning, I thought we were going to be doing a completely different show. I thought we might only be talking about might only be talking about Will Hughes and and Nathaniel Shalabar and and maybe you know just reflecting on on that wonderful win against Aston Villa, but things have piled on top of the agenda and then piled on again so we will be dealing with the injury news to to Uri Kutska who would have had a lot of fans very very worried but we'll be going through that and it seems as if it's it's not as bad news as as first feared we'll also be talking about uh, Ishmael Assar and we will be obviously talking about those players who seem to be edging closer to the door at Vicarage Road the likes of Will Hughes the likes of uh, Nathaniel Shalabar and uh, also we'll be dealing with with many of the questions and thank you very very much for them once again uh, that you've sent in via the app on The Athletic and also on Twitter so there is there is plenty to get through I, I mean gents from, from your point of view obviously we'll go through the, the individual players and, and things like that but it's funny when you have a you know a few days after a victory you start to get you know occupied by you know transfer dealings again and all this sort of stuff but we, we need to just take a step back and, and savor, I think, just for a moment, how good it felt to be at Vicarage Road on on Saturday to see that I would say unexpectedly comfortable victory. Dave, from your point of view, and you weren't necessarily at Vicarage Road; you were sort of keeping tabs on it from from a distance. It, it was unexpectedly good, wasn't it? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I was saying to the guys on the WhatsApp group and stuff before the start of the season, and as, as I was listening to you guys last week on the pod on Thursday and the one before that, 
talking about going into the season, there were so many unanswered questions. And I was saying that I, I, I'd never, I don't think I've felt this nervous before the start of a season for ages. Definitely more nervous than any of the other promotion seasons. The, if the feeling was different, obviously last season was, there was a different kind of nerves. It was more expectation, wasn't it? And And I just didn't know what to expect. And watching that game, it was like, I just felt a cool breeze just rushing over me. Just all of the worry and the stress and the anxiety just faded away as I saw those magnificent players, the new boys, the old boys, just doing the business. They just look so up for it. And I don't think it's any coincidence that see those seven home victories out of the 10 games at the weekend. I think fans you guys were there. The, the atmosphere looked amazing. I'm sure you, you, you know, you, you can talk about it, but I'm, I'm sure that the atmosphere, the emotion, the occasion helped spur those players on, but they were just snapping into challenges in the midfield. The defence looked great. Uh, you know, the, the forward players looked full of life and speed and energy and, and pizzazz and, and, you know, the subs coming on did their bit. Hernandez coming on and having that amazing impact in 49 seconds. Like, it just all went to plan and, you know, there was that wobble as well at the end. So I was a bit nervous. Well, I was watching it in, in the pub um i managed to watch the whole game i'll leave you leave that to your imagination but that's not something i've had to do for the last 18 months so that was a nice thing to get back to as well and i was nervous at the end but what a day it was just so nice to to have a bit of relief and obviously there are 37 games to go and we could be hammered at the weekend and we're all back to square one but it just feels like okay right we're not maybe we're not going to be as bad as i and maybe people like mike feared mike i mean from your point of view and i'll remind people of the article that I did in in the uh, aftermath of that first win just sort of dissecting the the four debutants that we saw you know Kutsko who we've mentioned and we'll talk about a little bit more in a moment's time Emmanuel Dennis Peter Atibo and and Kucha Hernandez as Dave mentioned there the, the fact that they came in for such a, a small amount of money combined pretty much three million pounds you can read about it in the in the article on, on the athletic but for them to make such an impact and to almost sort of be almost like not necessarily missing pieces in the jigsaw, but to have just slotted in and given that upgrade so soon was was really heartening for the for the rest of the season. I know Dave mentioned there, you know, obviously, it, it, you know, it might go, it might not go to plan against Brighton. It might not go to plan against Tottenham, but they've set a high watermark, which is great to see because we didn't see that in 2019-20. Right from the beginning, it was Zed Cars is back, brilliant and then flatline for about you know two or three months wasn't it yeah thanks for reminding us of that and take us out of the lovely bubble the post villa bubble but yeah dcw you mentioned he had a he felt a cool breeze as he as he realized these these players were going to fit in and play nicely i think someone else who will have felt that cool breeze will have been gino pozzo and and scott duxbury as they watched their the their charges these guys they brought in and they haven't exactly set the watford world alight in terms of the supporters being delighted about the transfer business have they and that resulted in I think all of us being being unsure which we've spoken about at length but I think they will have been pleased and I think it's a real credit to them that they were able to sort of effectively I use the word pluck it's the wrong word but take unexpected signings for Watford and deliver them into being the final pieces of the jigsaw for that performance at least because yeah it's going to be difficult so I did I, I spare a thought for those guys and thinking yeah they'll be enjoying that almost as much as as we are but for them to hit the ground um, running like that was was tremendous Adam I know a lot of people are going to be keen to find out just how hard Kutska hit the ground and what uh, what things looked like for him because I thought he was absolutely terrific yeah he was and it was interesting because I remember after the game I was I was leaving the leaving the ground and walking up Occupation Road and there were still quite a few people 
milling around and I thought, oh, I know that guy because I wasn't that familiar with him already because we haven't seen him that much. But then I saw the tats, I saw the sort of the shaven head, the confident swagger, the big square shoulders, the imposing character. And I thought, hang on a minute, that is, that's, that's, that's my mate, Uri. Uri, <laughs> ha, ha, how are you doing? So I, I sort of I introduced myself and said hello and, you know, well played and all this sort of stuff. And it was just sort of speaking to him. He was a bit like... <laughs> Who the who the hell are you? Um, ah, Mr. He Levin. He didn't seem. Yeah, yes, I've heard a lot about you. That you. Weirdo that yeah. doesn't, you're that weirdo that doesn't like yogurt. <laughs> yeah. It's a good job you didn't have a football lad. He'd have just clattered you, I think. Exactly. He'd exactly. just nicked it and run off down the road. <laughs> yeah, he would have done. Um, and, you know, I was just having a little chat with him. But now looking back, I was thinking, oh, was he was he hobbling? Was he injured? Did he Did he look unhappy? He didn't at the time. And then today, as, as I mentioned earlier on, things have sort of changed and things, you know, things, especially on social media, have sort of blown up a little bit about a report that came out saying, oh, he's going to be out for two to three months. And everyone got a little bit panicked. Thankfully, I've been able to sort of clear that up and people have seen on, on social media that the news isn't as bad as we first thought. I understand that he's, he's not going to be out for two to three months. It's more like it's going to be 10 days, two weeks. So there is a chance that he could just only miss the Brighton match and potentially return for for the Tottenham game because obviously that you know there is a little bit of extra time ahead of that one because it is on on Sunday. So fingers crossed it may be that if other signings are there or if whoever plays in midfield against Brighton maybe you know Imran Loser is is given an opportunity from the start you know it, it might be that there's not too much pressure on trying to get him back into the side uh, for the Tottenham game but but thankfully you know the overall picture is that it doesn't seem as if it is a significant injury and then I add it to what I saw and I go well if it was a significant injury he would probably be in a in a boot or on crutches if it was two to three months you know so so maybe that's that's sort it's of good news hopefully. good news that he's not out for a yeah. long time but in in the immediate term it's it's not good news because he made such an impact against Aston Villa, and I was the club put the video out earlier on of his um, of his highlights of that game, yeah. and they yeah, even yeah, yeah. repeatedly showed that pretty horrendous challenge, which I thought was an interesting <laughs> call from whoever puts the videos together. But fair enough, uh, he is going to be missed, isn't he? So it's like it's a question mark of who comes in. Is it Gosling who replaced him? Is it is it Loser? But Loser, as I as I understand, isn't the same sort of player. Is he a bit more of a ball playing sort of sort of classy player as opposed to a sort of bloke that will run around and snap your legs off and the other thing is uh, that when he, when you said 10 days that sounds familiar because it does seem to be whenever a Watford player gets <laughs> injured they're going to be back in 10 days so yeah I'll um, temper my enthusiasm on that one and, and wait and see but I think as Dave says it's who replaces him is the question for for, for on all our lips really yeah and I, it is also I sort of I was having various conversations with with different people it was suggested to me that maybe he sort of just carried on and the adrenaline was carrying him through that game and he might have sort of felt a tweak a little bit earlier on and maybe you know if if it was midway through the season he might have pulled up and go oh no I need to I need to come off but he was certainly playing with adrenaline so that doesn't really surprise me it was sort of full throttle football so you know yes you're right Dave it is a shame that he is he is going to be missing but hopefully it's not going to be too long and also if you look at it in this way it is early season you know he and Atibo have have both come into that midfield we'll talk about Will Hughes and Nathaniel Shalabar in, in a moment's time but you know they've come straight in Dan Gosling might have thought, oh, I might have a chance here to be playing more because of 
these two guys who are halfway out of the door and for someone to step in that would have made him hungry to to stay in or, or have an opportunity and he didn't get that opportunity until later on in that first game so he will be hungry if he gets a chance against Brighton and loser who's come in for the most money let's not forget bar potentially uh, the new signing who is going to be coming into midfield who we will talk about in a moment's time as well you know loser will be wanting to play and I think is 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 malleable in terms of where he can play as as a as a holding player and more of a quarterback playing the ball forward or trying to get up and down and maybe being more creative and it might be that that game against Brighton which will be I don't know maybe a little bit more technical in in midfield it won't be more it won't be so sort of blood and thunder maybe maybe than the Aston Villa game maybe it might suit him a little bit more maybe a bit more nimble rather than full power so we shall see boys you can tell me where we go next in terms of what do, what do you want to to know what what do you want to talk about do you want to talk about Saar first do you want to deal with the with the midfielders first it's, it's up to you what sort of what what's at the top of your priority list well I, I think we should address something you just alluded to there so we'll get to Hughes and Chalabar and we'll get to Saar we've had loads of questions about all of those guys and, and plenty more besides but as we're talking about midfielders and potential uh, absences from midfield it sounds like we might be welcoming another addition to that midfield soon yeah as i understand it ozan tufan uh, from fenerbahce is going to be completed within the next 24 hours if it hasn't been done already when we go to air and i've undercooked it and it's already been done um and the deal is is a is a loan deal and I understand that there's going to be an option or an obligation, haven't quite nailed that down yet, for about £6 million at the end of the season. And it was interesting because I obviously put out some of the news and it had been circulating in the, in the Turkish press for, for quite some time. And that's often the, the case. And I think maybe l- later on we'll dig into some sometimes how you deal with rumours and how you pin down transfer stories a little bit later on. But it obviously emanated initially from Turkey that then was was sort of developing and and it became clear that he was not just one of a list but he was you know high up on that list and and that deal is set to go through uh, very soon so yes we've we've lost kutska but um tufan the tough guy is uh, is coming in to the midfield i don't know if that's going to be done for for the brighton game that might be too soon but you know we probably weren't expecting kutska to come straight in and start but i suppose he did arrive the day before crystal palace and then he he thought he was thundering into challenges in in pre-season as well so it's exciting that they're doing the business that that people will want them to do isn't it mike oh really yeah and absolutely and dave you know that cool breeze you you felt <laughs> it's obvious what it was now it was a it was a two fan <laughs> that's a disgrace hey? That's why I'm here, lads. That's why I'm here. But yeah, it's it's great just to, because we have the big question I had was what if Kutske gets injured? What if Itebo gets injured? And the fact, the way they play, the way they evidently play, which is all action, snapping into tackles, high energy, the chances are they are going to miss a couple of games. And we've seen that earlier than we'd have hoped. And the question mark about who comes in with the likely departure of Will Hughes, probably Nate Chalabar as well. Gosling, you know, I really like Dan Gosling. I thought he was a great signing last season. I wonder what sort of impact he can have this year. Um, so to have someone coming in, another midfielder coming off the rank, and Adam, you alluded to the fact he was high up their list of of prospects, is really, really good. And I do wonder, and I can't remember who it was that said this to me, but whilst the transfer window is still open, how much an impressive performance like the one against Villa will have on getting deals like this done? 
Um, so I think it, it it feels positive at the moment, doesn't it? Then and we, we talked about momentum before the season starts, and it feels like we've got it with on-field performances, and feels like things are coming on to coming to a head with bringing new bodies in, which I think we all agree were probably much so needed. He's, tw- he's twenty-six, plays for Fenerbahce. He's a Turkish international. Uh, he was he played every game at the Euros, but I think Turkey were. If not the worst, probably the second worst team in the competition. So I don't know if there's anything for us to get our hopes up about. And I've just, uh, I don't know much about him. I've never really focused on him or, or really seen seen how he plays. But central midfielder, you, you know, maybe he, he he could be a sort of similar sort of player to Kucha, but maybe obviously a bit younger. But the only thing I can find on him, having just Googled him, is um, this is an article, the uh, the Daily Star of all places, I, fi- I found. Um they put it up just before the Euros. The headline is Turkey's Euro 2020 villain Ozan Tufan has history of arrests and cheeky Instagram DMs. Now, I won't go into the arrests and the Instagram DMs because if you want to find out about that, you can Google it. But the, the other main thing I've got in this article is the reason he's called villain is because in the Euro 2016, so he was in the Turkish squad back in 2016 when he was quite young, he drew the ire of the Turkish support because in their first game against Croatia in that tournament, Luka Modric scored a brilliant volley from outside the box. And there is, on the replay, you can see Ozan Tufan just trotting out of the penalty area with absolutely no urgency whatsoever, just puts his hand through his hair, just, 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 just sort of <laughs> sorts his hair out and gets the parting sorted back out as, as Modric just absolutely smashes the ball past him into the top corner. So I've not found anything positive in, in my initial Googles, but I, I'm sure that Gino and the boys have done their homework and he, he'll be a good addition. Well, I can't relate to the to the hair thing, but it does remain to be seen whether uh, Tufan will slide straight into Watford's DM <laughs> position. Oh, wowzers. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Heavy hit after heavy hit from Mike. Oh, killer, no filler, baby. Massive gags flying left, right and centre. Yeah, you wish you had a massive gag for me, (laughs) don't you now, unfortunately? But no, the the reaction, and it's interesting, obviously, when you you float things on on social media. Um, And I'll I'll be brutally honest, things have been pinging left, right and centre in terms of stories at the moment for, for Watford. I haven't... I haven't had an opportunity to speak to to lots of different people about Ozan Tufan, and obviously we will do that on the on the Athletic. But the feedback that that was flowing on on social media when the signing was um, being talked about, you know, on on Tuesday and and then Wednesday, and now sort of edging ever closer, is you will you will love him if he's if he's bang on and he's at it, he can be a great asset and he I think he's he's not just a, a traditional standard midfielder he he will get forward he'll get involved in attacks he'll also be able to play as an anchor if, if you need him to and he will chip in with goals too so I think that that sounds like um someone that will fit into to Watford's midfield that trio that Watford have been playing he could maybe play instead of a Tebow sitting or he could play in one of the two pistons going up and down so I think that's it sounds like a really good signing and yeah hopefully his 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 head is right and he can be you know flying in for flying in with with tackles and you know looking good at the same time which is clearly a priority for him I was thinking today as these these rooms come in and seeing the seeing the questions come in to you Adam and and you know you stick your head above the parapet you get information you you break stories and you explain what's going on to the best of your knowledge there's so many transfer rumors that go out you know around Watford no, there's more for, for for other clubs but how as in your line of work do you work out 
what's worth considering, what's worth pursuing? How does it sort of, how do you shake through it, basically? I would like to say that I, I look at some things and I completely dismiss them, but I, I don't. I always look into them, really, and, and try and decipher whether there is any mileage in it. And, and that's simply done by speaking to the people who will be in, in, in on it and, you know, be that agents or be it sources that are close to the deals or doing the deals or um, that might have previously had that player and will still know him or whatever it is, you speak to people and you try and understand the situation. And also being with The Athletic, and this is the, the great position that I'm in, is that if I hear, oh, you know, Watford are interested in X player and he plays for Everton, I can obviously then speak to my colleague, you know, Paddy Boyland or Greg O'Keefe or, you know, if it's a Liverpool player, I can speak to James Pearce or whoever it is and they will have the inside line as well and they will have the knowledge about, well, it doesn't sound right or then they can speak to him on, on my behalf. So we've got this wonderful network which is a privilege to be part of. So it's always, you always look into stuff and, you know, the next level from the question that you asked there, Mike, is, well, yes, there, there, there are lots of rumours. I will invariably always check up on them but i'm not always going to comment on every single person that is linked there's two ways of looking at it there might be a grain of truth in everything that you hear because it's unlikely that someone completely fictitiously makes it up it just doesn't doesn't really happen like that that can even be an agent of a player mentioning a couple of clubs to get another club involved or interested and Watford might be used and so oh yeah they had a distant interest and then people go oh you know it's going to be him it's going to be him so there is often truth to what you see and I have that sort of respect for other journalists I'm never gonna on the whole I, I never go out to poo poo someone else's story because it's very difficult to say well there might be some truth there so it's just trying to pull all the strands in and make it make it make sense and then if there is something to say then obviously I will I will say it either in article form or on social media or whatever it is or on a or on a rambling podcast like like this. <laughs> I think you're, look you're seeing you're seeing that very situation that you're talking about playing out on the biggest scale possible with Harry Kane at the moment. Different updates every day from different journalists, fans from both teams giving all sides of the spectrum of the journalists pelters every time. You said this, he said this, and it's it's ludicrous. And as you say, different people hear different things from different people. Doesn't it? It kind of means that. In some ways, all of it or none of it could be true, and it doesn't devalue any of the of the journalism being done. But um, just before before we move on to maybe some potential outgoings, there is one little sort of thing left in terms of incomings that a few people have asked us. James Franklin, Riggy, uh, Lee Jackson have all asked about a particular rumor swirling around the Brazilian centre back Lianco from Torino, and sort of more broadly, Lee Jackson asked, "Are we?" Are we in for a younger centre-back? So he's a centre-back. Is this an area of the team that you are aware that we are trying to sort of bolster? As far as I understand it, it's not a priority at the moment. That's not to say, and this sounds like I'm covering my tracks because I'm not quite sure, but it's not. Um, that's not to say that something might happen like an injury where they actually go, right, we've got a list. Let's, let's actually take him. In terms of Lianco, who is someone that I, I must admit, he, he was not someone that I was au fait with. And there will be people listening to this podcast. I can think of one in particular who is, is a great expert on, on Serie A and will know Italian football like the back of his hand. When that when that popped up, yes, he was linked with, um, it was it was it came up with um, 
one of the journalists said that it was it was a nine million pound bid to from from uh, from Watford to Torino. I checked up on that with someone who definitely will know and another person who will definitely know and then another person who will definitely know. And everything I got back from those three people was no. And there you go. That's how you sort of judge judge the situation. Now they might all just be telling me porkies, but when not one, not two, but three people say, no, 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 he's not going to Watford. Then you, you, you take it. And, and, and that was a situation whereby, you know, that's someone else's, that's someone else's story. The guy, Duncan Castles, jur- journalist who, who does a podcast and stuff, he will have been told that he wouldn't have made that up. It wouldn't have come out of nowhere. But it might have been that something that never really came to fruition or it was something that was talked about and, and you know, it's never really... I don't know. It's it's very very interesting watching watching the 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 things that you hear and how they emerge on on social media and and trying to decipher everything and and then obviously I will hear things that I won't even talk about until it is the time to talk about. So it's 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 a it's a fascinating world to to be in half the time. But on that, as I understand it, no. He's not a target and he's not going to be coming to Watford at this stage. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is from the Rookery End. Just a reminder to everyone that if you aren't yet a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get a discount currently on a new subscription by going to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end. And that will obviously uh, give you access to everything that I write about Watford, all of my colleagues' writings about all clubs in the Premier League and beyond around Europe as well. So you can be au fait with you know, some of the players that we're talking about before they're linked to Watford in the future. We've dealt with the, the incomings. Let's deal with um, some of the outgoings because it's a fascinating time being a Watford fan at the moment. And people are getting sort of more worried and, and angry about different players, aren't they, Mike? Yeah, there's been a few alarm bells started to ring today among a lot of uh, a lot of listeners and, and followers on social media. And that's regarding Ismail Assar, David Spackman, Tristan, uh, Rich, Peter Remnant, among a whole host of others were asking about a potential link with with Liverpool, Tristan in particular, saying he he he's surprised because how committed he seems, how happy he looked against Villa. So, is there any truth in the the rumours that Saar has asked to leave? Because I've seen that popping popping around a little bit. Well, I think you have to go back to a little bit earlier on this summer, and I actually wrote, I actually wrote about it, and I don't think that anything's changed since then. To be brutally honest, basically, if you, if you look at it, when Watford were promoted, he was obviously key player last year in in the championship and there was no intention to sell him in a in a very sort of acute covid market with clubs not having any money really last season when Watford initially were relegated there was attempts from Liverpool but they went for Diogo Jota they weren't able to put down enough money Manchester United came up with a deal as well to try and get him um, but they have since sort of switched their attentions away a couple of younger players they picked up uh, at the end of that transfer window, but now they have signed Jaden Sancho. Watford's thinking will have been, right, if we can get back into the Premier League, he's going to be our key player, he's going to be our best player, and if he can have another successful season in the Premier League, then his worth will skyrocket and will get back up to the level that we had hoped it would have been after 
his first season in the Premier League, where it would have exceeded the £30-35 million outlay that we had planned. So they will be thinking, no, he's going to be worth £50 million or, or £60 million. especially when you look at the, the market that we're in as well. Basically coming down to how much someone is prepared to pay for someone, if you compare it to someone like Ben White, for example, I think we'll all agree that he is not worth £50 million. Not that he's a bad bad guy or he's you know he's a bad player, but he's not a fifty million pound player. But if you compared the two to most football fans or most um, hierarchies at football clubs, they will go right. Do you want to pay fifty million pounds for Ben White or do you want to pay fifty million pounds for Ismail Assar? I would have thought, especially after the first the first day of the season, everyone would have gone well. <laughs> Of course, we'll we'll pay fifty million pounds for Ismail Assar. We're quite surprised that he's still at Watford, to be brutally honest. But the fact that he is, everyone's going to be watching. But let me just dig into a little bit more of the detail of this. They will not want to sell him now. They have no intention of selling him now. As I understand it, he has not asked to leave. That's not something that will surprise many people. He's not. We don't. We don't get a huge amount of impression of 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 his happiness or his unhappiness as a player anyway because he is quite quite he's quite a stone face apart from when he scores you know he he doesn't really give away much so that won't that won't necessarily surprise people that he is someone that keeps his emotions to himself yeah, he seems quite a relaxed but, sort of bloke doesn't he like even even after the promotion is that famous shot of him just just sitting just leaning casually against the um, against the hoarding, the sponsors hoarding, and he just he just sort of took took it all in his stride. He wasn't he wasn't going uh, you know mad like Isaac's success was, for example, or some of the other some of the other lads in the squad. He does seem he does yeah that rings true to me. You know, not we're not having any insight whatsoever, but just hearing what you've said and what you've picked up from people you know, he doesn't seem the type at the moment to be the sort of that will sort of say I'm not going to play or. You know, like some of the, you know, literally like some of the other members of the squad who we will talk about, who you know maybe have a bit more complicated relationship with the club at the moment. He doesn't seem like that sort of bloke. And also, I don't know what you think about this, Mike. But, you know, you sort of probably see a bit more football than, than the rest of us in terms of your work and stuff. And you see a lot of different teams. Like, I don't know. I can't see where. Obviously, he's a great player and he can get better, but I can't see a team that really he would fit into at the top level. Like Liverpool has has been linked, but. United, as you said, Spurs, they've all got players in those positions. So it wouldn't make sense to me. Yeah, not yet. And I, I suspect that's why I feel I agree with, with what both of you say, that Ashmael Asar feels very content. And I think a lot of that is down to the fact that he knows his worth. He knows where what his career trajectory could be. He knows where people expect him to end up. And he probably knows where he expects to end up. And that might be in the upper echelons of the Premier League. It might be, of course, somewhere else in Europe playing Champions League football. Because what we do know, without any shadow of a doubt, is that most defenders simply can't live with him. When he's on form, his pace is ludicrous. You're yet to find anyone that can, can, can keep up with him. Matt Target's still having nightmares. That's the second time, second time he's absolutely. done it completely. That game, that game at Christmas back hold, in the other season, he, I remember time. he had an absolute shocker, didn't he? Ended up, ended up sitting down on the yeah. pitch because he just couldn't take any more. Just wiping <laughs> away a single tear and shaking his head. But he, he, and he won't be the only, he won't be the last defender who's left absolutely, I was going to say seeing stars, but obviously it'd be seeing stars, but you don't need any more sort of humour from me in this one. But yeah, so he, I think he knows how good he can be. I think he knows 
what Watford expect to realise for him as well. He's, he seems savvy. Um, they paid a lot of money for him in the first place. And I think he'll be happy to buy this time and he'll know that if he performs to the level that he expects and we expect, then a whole world of opportunities will, will open. And I think it's quite refreshing to see against the backdrop of some other stuff that's happening, someone who is prepared to say, right, this is how I'm going to go about my business. I'm going to get a body of work that means people are going to pay the market value that my club wants and I'm going to end up at a club that I want to be at. And it just feels like we've we've got the SAR thing right. The only sort of last point I think on, on SAR that I'd throw to you, Adam, is a feeling that sort of did start to come over me on Saturday when I was watching him just repeatedly get through on that right-hand side and just deliver that sort of performance that we know he's capable of and hopefully we'll see a lot more from him. Because this transfer window date has now changed since the last time we were back in the we were in the Premier League, but last time it was it was the day before the season started. Now they've gone back to the old system of 1st of September or whatever, 31st of August. We do have that sort of shop window nervous period where knowing the way the transfer market works as you do, especially if Kane moves and sort of that injects some sort of liquidity into the market and teams start swapping players all over the place and it all trickles down. That's the worry, isn't it? That a, that a, that a club who goes, you know what, Sars had three amazing games. He's looking, he, he is the real deal. I mean, maybe they weren't sure before. They think, you know, we'll pull the trigger. What, would, what do you think the number would be that would tempt Gino or Scott Duxbury to go, actually, this is too good to turn down? Well, I think if, if you look at it and if you were to have two more performances before the transfer window closes because remember it does close on the on the Tuesday after the the Tottenham game they will be yes look everyone has a price everybody's got a price <laughs> and everyone will go if if you know the club goes well they've just offered us 60 million or 70 million or 80 million you know they'll go well yeah that's probably you know that's topped it out but i don't think that there's that sort of money around even if even if there is this trickle down for for the you know harry kane money i mean that one is is going to pretty much go to the wire if if he's going to be released from from the tottenham hotspur stadium if at all you know so it's it's a very difficult one and and these sorts of deals they will take time not only to sort of nail them down and get all the you know the add-ons right and all this sort of stuff but if you've got a pretty belligerent club like Watford, who are pretty hard-nosed and, and won't want to be messed around and bullied by the big boys, they're going to want to go, well, sorry, look, you can't come in at this point. I remember Crystal Palace, they popped in on, on deadline day and sort of called up and went, 25 million, and before they'd even finished, I think the phone had been put down. So, you know, it's like you've got to be serious and you've got to do it properly. If you genuinely want a player and you know that he is, he is worth at least at least what Watford paid for him if not 10 or 20 million pounds more just simply down to the potential if you're not going to do that now I don't think you're really going to be taken seriously if you start popping up with with attempts to buy him in the final week of the of the transfer window so that's my that's my gut feeling and I think that they would they would brick up the training ground the vicarage road They'd lock him at home, throw away the key, all that sort of stuff. Try all the tricks to make sure that they didn't lose him until at the very least January. But then who's going to buy him in, in January because he's going to be away? That's almost like a blessing in disguise. Yes, we won't have him for two games, but he's not going to be around. Literally, he's not going to be here to be sold mm, during January either. Yeah. You know, So you know, if we, if we can keep him now, we've got him until way. next summer. Absolutely, all the way. But, you know... 
and then come next summer, if he's done the job, I think as as Scott Duxbury alluded to in the in the podcast that he did with you boys, you know, prior at the end of last season, everyone will have their price. Don't fall in love with players. If he comes, does the job, we will let them go. Sort of give them wings and let them fly away. That's fine. That's the pro- that's the project. That is the model. And I think everyone will accept he is too good for Watford. But let's make sure that he can be too good for Watford whilst keeping Watford in the Premier League for this season. So Peter, Rich, Tristan, David and everyone else, I think it's big sigh of relief time because it sounds like Sar Stein, which is obviously brilliant news. But someone who is, it feels like to me, Ad, certainly, almost certainly out of the out of the door. And this is the other person who a lot of people have asked about. And that is a certain William Hughes Esquire. And perhaps as with with him and some other midfield departures as well, bearing in mind what we spoke about earlier with with Tufan. But I think Hughes is probably top of the agenda when it comes to serious outgoings. What's what's the latest there? The situation with Will Hughes, obviously, you know, more of the links with Crystal Palace surfaced this week, and it's something that I alluded to in an article, or I didn't allude to it. I said it <laughs> outright. There had been talks with with Crystal Palace. From what I understand, the valuation that was discussed from the Crystal Palace end, i.e. The, the, the amount of money that they offered, was around about £5 million. And it wasn't necessarily laughed away, but it was highlighted that that's not enough. So then if you get that response, it's then up to you to decide whether you go back and you say, right, well, here's six or seven or whatever or ten or, or whatever. But as I understand it, Nothing has happened since that point. So that then leaves Will Hughes in a in an even more difficult situation when it had appeared he had a sort of a, a preferred <laughs> other option. And that doesn't seem to be the one that is going to happen. And that's not just simply down to, you know, the work that, that Will Hughes' agent has done or, or, or whatever. It's just basically down to Crystal Palace who have who have got a lot of squad building to do going, right, well, he wasn't top of our priority, but an opportunity has arisen. We've got probably this amount of money to offer. Let's offer it. Okay, that one's not happening. We've got to move on to other options. We have to look at other midfield options potentially, but that is not a priority at Crystal Palace. They need more attacking players and they've got other business that they need to do. It may look, it may well be that Crystal Palace come in towards the end of it and go, look, we really do need bodies in here. But it's not going to be the offer, the big deal, the big sort of, wow, Will Hughes has gone on to play for an Everton or a, you know, even a West Ham getting European football or whatever it is. He may well end up at Crystal Palace. And is that going to look great? I don't think so. Not to anyone. No, it won't reflect well on anyone, will it? And I think I understand because of the, the, the relegation complicated the situation, right? You know, normally you wouldn't let Will Hughes get to a year left. You'd, 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 you'd get it tied up with 18 months to go or, you know, in that second year before it goes, you sort it out, you either sell or you renew. You get to one year left and this is what happens. Same situation with, again, on a bigger scale, Manchester United and Paul Pogba are a similar sort of situation at the moment. There's a year left, so it means the power goes... With each day that passes, the player has slightly more more power in a way. But it would just be... You know, it'd be a real shame to see him go to Crystal Palace of all places. It feels like, yeah, it feels like we'd have fluffed the situation. But as from a fan's point of view, and going back to the conversation we had with Scott at the start of the season, and he was saying, well, at the end of last season, and he was saying Watford players 
to play for Watford mm. need to be committed. They need to recognise the situation and they need to focus and they need to get on with it. And for whatever reason, he hasn't been able to do that. And we've said before how the timing is probably unfortunate for Watford and unfortunate for Will Hughes because when Will Hughes didn't sign his contract, I can... I don't, I don't know Will very. Well, I don't know him very well. I don't know him at all. But I suspect Crystal Palace wasn't his chosen destination when he was thinking about not signing his renew, his new contract. So for us to end up there is is a mess. There's another player in the midfield that we've had quite a few questions on. So let's let's try and rattle a few uh, through a few of them now. Uh, Aaron Bennis, Ben Aiton, Anthony B. They all ask about Domingos Kina. The sort of forgotten man, really. Obviously, he went out on loan, didn't he, for last season after featuring a little bit at the start of the season. He's back. Is he in the plans? Is he going to be shipped out on loan again? What's what's the situation with him? As I understand, with with Domingos Kina, he's got a year left on his contract. Watford have a, an option to extend it for a further year. I think it's quite clear that you know things haven't gone quite to plan, and his his trajectory hasn't has sort of been a little bit stuttery over the last couple of years. Obviously, he had that loan spell at at Granada last season. I think he wants to be playing football and he believes, you know, at the age that he is, the ability that he has, he should be doing that on a regular basis. I think we can read between the lines that, you know, they they didn't sort of lose Hughes and Shalabar out of it and go, well, no, here we go. Dom, here's your, here's your big chance. They brought in other players. So that gives him an understanding of where he is in the pecking order. So I would expect something to happen relatively imminently on him. To you know, to be brutally honest, nothing can happen until someone comes in for you and, and takes you and, and offers for you. So this might be something that either it's it's the, the club does it, Watford does it in terms of, right, well, we can give you this loan and, and we'll extend your contract and, and very good luck like they have done with a couple of the other players that have gone out on loan. Or they will go, you know what? That offer from, I don't know, Granada or whoever, that's good enough. Thanks a lot. Go and enjoy your football somewhere else. So I think I think it's very much a, a movable feast with Kina. Got a feeling our, our, our under-23s might be quite good come the 1st of September. <laughs> <laughs> Just to round off outgoings then, because quite a few people have asked about this. Adam, if you reply with staying okay. or going for these players... Do I have to do players, it like Bruce Forsyth? Sort of like... No, like that sort of... no. Well, it's entirely up to you. I say go for it, but um, it's, we'll leave I'll that one up to you. Yeah. But so just stay stay or go on the, on these guys then. There's, there's not many left. So Mark Navarro. Going. Uh, good. I hope for his sake he gets a move and and, and can go somewhere else. Isaac Success. Same, same boat. I think he will go. I think they have sort of lined up a loan move to Udinese because he's still got another 15 years on his contract. So, you know, I think that they would like to try and realise some some money for him. But that's another one that is is going to go all the way down to, to the wire, I'd, I would have thought. I think, but this is the summer where it does happen. There's been too many summers recently. There was injuries and all that sort of stuff that have, that have curtailed it before. But this will be the summer where he does get a move of some sorts. And perhaps finally, the one that's generated the most... Um, news around him Andre Gray it sounds like there's a couple of championship sides in in for him stay or go and if he's going where to I think the club have made their position very clear that they want him to go but with with as as Dave was saying you know when you get players coming into the last year of their contracts these sort of situations can arise where it has to work for all the parties and you can have a situation where for example, Will Hughes, if he is told you can't go because we're not accepting that amount of money, he might just have to sit on the sidelines. If no one comes in for Andre Gray, I don't necessarily know if he's going to 
kick up a fuss. He might go, okay, fine. Well, I didn't want to go. Will Hughes has sort of intimated that he wanted to go. Andre Gray hasn't done yeah. that. So all dependent on the right offer ex- coming from the exactly, from the right club. Exactly. So you know, ideally he will go but someone's got to come in for you and he costs quite a lot of money. Last, I think I said Andre Gray was last on the outgoings, but there's another one, relatively big name, and again, stay or go, Nate Chalabar. That's one that I think is is more flexible. I think that he is someone that, if someone doesn't come in, he will stay. And I think with the with the with the blessing of the of the club, really, in terms of you know he can he can stay and and have an option to to leave somewhere else and come up with one of those sort of weird loan deals that Joshua King left Bournemouth to go to Everton with whereby you can just sort of they cancel the contract halfway through that final year and then you can go and get an option to buy or something like that so I think that if if no one comes in then he will probably just stick around and will be utilized I think yeah. so you could, you know, he could we, definitely we do a see. job couldn't he in the Premier League but it is it's just, it is a bit sad I think with, with Chalabar when you when you just think back to the player that he looked like he was going to be when he first joined us and in the early days of the Marco Silva season before he got that in that, that kneecap injury you know even since then actually has played for the full England team and Gareth Southgate had him in a number of squads and he he was someone who we thought was going to go right to the top and would ultimately leave Watford to go on to better things where now it's like he's sort of scratching around for someone to take him we're not that bothered about him being in the team he had a played a pretty pretty big part in the end in getting us up but he just doesn't feel like he's the Chalabar that he we thought he he probably thought he was going to be either, and also that's sort of contrasted as well now with his brother has just broken through at Chelsea, scored on the opening day of the season, is being put into the team by by Thomas Tuchel, and it's you know I hope I hope that Trevor Chalabar doesn't get an injury like Nate did, and he goes on to have a fantastic career because it it does seem to to be just sliding the wrong way for Chalabar doesn't it but hopefully he'll prove us wrong he might stay and he might go on to play a part in this season but you know I it's different than the Will Hughes situation I think there's a bit of understandable frustration from the fans maybe towards Will Hughes and that and the situation where Chalabar I kind of have a bit of sympathy for him yeah I think they're they're very different situations that have been dealt with um differently I think that that's that that's the main the main thing with them that it, it's been very clear that both of them have been offered new deals and yes you can you can turn them down you're entitled to do that but i don't know it's 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 all about reading the room and i think that the hughes situation just just seems and it is so weird because will hughes is is not your bad egg he's not your troublemaker it just seems as if that will hughes situation is a reflection of one party two parties involved in that situation just reading the room wrong and he could have been you know he could have been back he could have been playing. He could have been starting. He could have been loved by the by the Watford fans once again. But yeah, he looks very much persona non grata at the moment, which is a real shame for him. And and we will just see what happens ahead of that transfer deadline day, which is on August the thirty first. That's all the players then dealt with uh, for now, at least. I'm sure it will all change probably in the twelve hours it takes for me to edit this podcast and put it out. But the last question, then let's move on to something slightly different before we end. It's from Amy Curtis, Adam. Do we have any sort of update on the third kit release? Now I'm very interested in this one. I want to just tell me what color it's going to be. Well, I think I think it's the one that sort of. I mean, it depends what your what your eyes are like. It's is it a dark is it a dark green or is it a dark blue? It's, it seems sort of like a darky greeny bluey blacky sort of kit, which was leaked like a while ago, wasn't it? And um, that is the one that's going to be coming out. And it is my understanding, which is that's probably going to be the name of my book. 
It is my understanding by Adam Leventhal. <laughs> not that I'm going to have a book. Don't worry. It's not my. It's, it is my understanding that I'm not going to write a book. Don't worry about that. Um, but it's going to be coming out at the beginning of September. So I would have thought probably to coincide with the international break. So everyone's going to be thinking, oh, I miss Watford. I miss Watford. What, what am I going to do? Maybe I can buy the, the third kit. So that is what I think is uh, is going to happen. And just to, just a, a word on, on kits and things like that, and just to point people in the direction of it, because I, I quite enjoyed learning about something that I, I have got very, very limited knowledge of. And I know we, we talked about the, the kit sponsorship with, with steak and, and things like that, but I did a piece at the weekend about the sleeve sponsorship and Dogecoin and uh, those little badges being on the on the shirt sleeves of the of the kits. It will be on the home one, it will be on the away one, and it will be on that third kit as well. So if anyone is into cryptocurrency and they are interested, I did a piece all about it, which has which has dropped on the Athletic recently. And also another thing, and and you talked about it, Mike and John did the interview with uh, Dave Nash, who was one of the guys that did the mural of GT on, on Vicarage Road. I did a piece all about that on The Athletic as well, which uh, you may well enjoy um, just sort of digging into that. What I found really fascinating, yes, it's, it is a brilliant mural, but just learning about the sort of the stories of the people behind the, the mural who actually go out and do that street art and the graffiti and all that sort of stuff and where their origins come from. And I found it fascinating. So I hope you do too. Gents, it has been a pleasure once again to be in your uh, your company Dave thank you very much for coming on thank you if you do do a book you get um, your eye Kushka to do the forward oh absolutely absolutely <laughs> I remember when I met this really irritating guy as I was hobbling away with a severe injury on Occupation Road yeah um, and Mike as well Thank you, thank you as always, and, and fielding all these all these questions that have been fired in. Before before I go, could you just indulge me for a moment while I've still got interest in this wretched uh, hobby, which is the Fantasy League. We could want to thank you to everyone that's joined the official well, official the From the Rookery End Fantasy League. I wanted to give a shout out to the top three after game week week one. So Frederick Gustafsson with Please Let Me Win. He's got 116 points, so at the moment we are letting you win. Second place is We Are Backman. We Are Backman. Uh, is Aaron Tamplin. He's got 115. And in third place, it's the simple but effective Uorns from Ross S. He's got 112 points. So thanks to everyone for, for joining and uh, well done for those guys. Can they hold on to, to top spot? We will see. I got 103 points in the first week. Yeah. Oh, well yeah. done. And you know who I selected? Very good. Uh, up front that probably only 0.1 of, of the population will have done? Dennis. No, Cucho. There you go. Yes. Get yeah. in there. Of course, I slammed Cucho Hernandez I'm... in, and when he scored, I yelped louder than anyone yelped in that stadium, and everyone was losing their minds. So that was uh... points. <laughs> and just a quick shout out to Tim Jones. I think he's got the best team name in the uh, in the league. Watford themed for now. Queen of the South. <laughs> Absolutely. It's probably it's probably where he's going to end up on loan. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. true. Right. We will see. And uh, yeah, by by the next show. A lot of things will have changed. Obviously, tune in to the, the reaction show, which uh, will be dropping on Monday uh, with Mike and the boys. We're off to Brighton. You're off to going. Brighton. The away day that is, you know, that brings so much warmth and happiness to, to every Watford fan after what happened back in, what, 2015 it was. Um, yeah, that great day when Watford got promoted. Yeah, look forward to that dropping on Monday. And then I will be back 
next Thursday with another edition and we'll be answering all of your questions. Really appreciate all of the uh, the questions that you've sent in and what will be really helpful as well to us if you're listening on the app, which is ad-free uh, on The Athletic. If you've got a comment about this episode, do leave a comment and let us know what you think and what we, you'd like us to cover in future episodes. So thank you very much indeed. This has been From the Rookery End and we will see you on the next one. The Athletic.